Wow, you know, it, it just the, the the episode just kind of you know fell apart at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. this is true. So out of help. curiosity, Aaron, in a couple of weeks, are you going to jump in, or a couple of months, are you going to jump back into Booster Gold when Dan Jurgens comes in? Yeah, when Jurgens comes back, I'll be back on. He's coming back with 44, but the problem is he's coming straight into a Flashpoint prelude. And then after that, the first story arc is Flashpoint crossover. Yeah. So most of it he's coming back, but he's coming back into a crossover to start off yeah. with. That's disappointing. Uh, is anybody getting Uncanny X-Men 535 this week with me? Nope. Why? Why would we do that? Kieran <laughs> Gillen's. Pick- no, I'm waiting until Schism starts. Is Kieran Gillen starting in that? Yeah. Huh. Is this a new story? Beginning of a new storyline? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name of the storyline, but yes, it is. So, is it actually the creative team that was on the point one? I don't think so. Because Gillen wrote point one. Oh well, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to get that with you, Timmy. <laughs> No, no, you know, you don't have to pity do it. But just, oh no, you, totally. <laughs> That's be the only reason to do it, Tim. I don't have any Xbox rights now. If it's a, if it's a good hopping on part, hopping on point, I can, I can give that a shot. I really, I, I think it's worth it. I, I've, I like the art on it, you know, from what we've seen. So, in my role as new Jonathan, I should yeah. probably be reading some X Men. This is true. Uncanny X Men has been crap for a little while, but I enjoyed this point one. I don't know. I might. I, I might just wait till the schism crossover starts and then I'll pick it up. Well, that's why I was. I thought I'd give this a try right before that happens. But <laughs> so, hey, Aaron, are you going to release any more actual plays on the I am. Ideology Madness site? We're, I've got uh, I've got two of them. I'm going to do the uh, uh, and a little child shall eat them and um, shipwrecked on Monster Island. And I'm hoping to release uh, the zombie one this week. Hey, guys, what, what about your games, Tim? I've got them. <laughs> I just. I, I guess I need to look at them because I don't want to put that on Aaron, and there is some editing needed there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I expect that the uh, the zombie show will be up this week, probably probably release it Thursday or Friday. And you know that's a question that that Jonathan didn't answer for me because I asked him about uh, cardboard crack. You know what that's going to mean to them. I don't think he knows yet. It's bum, bum, sort of out there. And nothing of value was lost. <laughs> I think he's pretty bummed about. Uh, the way things have gone. Yeah. He doesn't seem particularly happy. But he'll be happy once he gets down to Tampa again, you know? No, I think he's going to be miserable to be back there again. I mean, Was he, he hated Georgia there before? But he hated Georgia, but I didn't think he liked Florida either. Alabama. Oh. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he, he hates Alabama because, uh, uh, number one, all of his friends are in Florida, and he doesn't <coughs> culture or the... Uh, uh, the absence of, of a metropolitan area that affords him the cultural release that he's seeking, which I think is to say Cuban whores. So uh, I think that's <laughs> is that why is that why he seeks it in the shower, that release he needs? That's right. Well, and in the living room and in the dining room and in the kitchen and, and just about everywhere else, which is really awkward for him because he's <laughs> living with his grandma. Yeah, that you know, that's what cracks me up is, you know, him living with Nana. I'm having a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm curious how what his nana looks like. I mean, I wonder if she's she's kind of these these one of sweet little old ladies or if she's a little more worldly. No, no I'm picturing Aunt May. No, I'm picturing this uh, chain smoking Doris, Coke Grimlass. 
giving him advice about masturbation. I that's exactly. She's right. Aunt May, but with a very very large drawer of items and tools next to the bed. <laughs> I don't know what this one looks like. I'm starting to get a little freaked out now. You know when nice when conversation. Jonathan will be will be hunkering down to go to bed, but he's 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 reading in bed, and the lights start start flickering because she's, oh she's turned on the vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's you know it's, it's hooked straight into two twenty wiring. Oh my god! <laughs> Just to unplug the washer. That's right. That's right. You 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 can't run into the appliances when Nana's getting her groove on. <laughs> I feel so dirty. I need to take a shower. <laughs> Uh, uh, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Easter this week? Uh, week that seems like or the appropriate week. response, regardless of what fucking day it was. That's fair. That's fair. When Boy. we're talking about Nana working her down there. <laughs> and working it hard, apparently. <laughs> wow, 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 You know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I demand that to be the spot that's scary. <laughs> oh, no. Is it sad that this conversation was better than the actual episode? Yeah, <laughs> much. Maybe this is the, this this is what we should release as opposed to the rest of it. We can only we can only work with what we're given. We given much this week. Let's be honest. with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is employee number four. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Andrew. <laughs> you seem awfully excited for such a crummy week in comics, Aaron. God, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to take control of my attitude. Because, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. If you stop sitting on the bark lounger cactus that you do. <laughs> your mood a little bit. You're not surprised you know, to hear you guys say that that was a bad week because I thought I had a pretty good week in comics. This was the first week in a long time that I looked at my stack and I was like, I don't really want to read any of this right now. <laughs> you looked at your stack and you decided not to read it right now? Stack. <laughs> you know, Paul, you don't have to make everything dirty. That's right. Everyone yes, was to read my sack. If there's something written on there, I'm reading it. Because I didn't write anything on there. And if someone else is writing on there, I need to know. <laughs> what did you write on my sack? But but Wayne prefers you use a medium point pen when you're writing on a sack. That fine point kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah, but the medium just tingles. <laughs> In a good way. But, you know, you know, as I understand, you know... Wayne manages that area pretty well, so you know you, you, it's all it's all manscaped for you. Oh yeah, well, I'd imagine it would be so that you can get you know all your writing. That's right, that's right. <laughs> he likes to provide a fresh writing surface for you. <laughs> this was this was one of the the surprises and most popular features of Fear the Con Four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. like a whiteboard. You can just wipe it off and start over. 
Well, you know, it's it's what they've replaced the uh, the big board with over at Fear the Boot is that <laughs> like the show notes right there on Wayne's sack. <laughs> They're big oh enough. <laughs> big balling. <laughs> oh, this started out uh, in the gutter. <laughs> well, you might as well keep it there and start talking about some schoolgirls and prostitution because uh, Andrew and I saw Sucker Punch last week. Are now, we did y'all hold hands throughout the entire show? We we made out a little bit, but did you? We okay. shared, yeah, we shared popcorn. You know, it was it was good. We we, we and, you, know, you, had, you had that special moment where both hands went into the popcorn at the same time. You had a little electric touch between the two of you. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> electric touch. <laughs> like, a like, a little, like a little spark between us. <laughs> An eighty song, the electric touch. But let me tell you about Sucker Punch. Yeah, you know, this is Zack Snyder film, so it's very stylistically Zack Snyder. It is it is not a deep movie, but it is a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah. I, I saw it in IMAX and totally worth it. Totally worth the extra money to see it in IMAX. It, it's a fucking gorgeous movie. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to intellectually stimulate you. They try to do this whole thing with three separate layers of reality, but really it's not a deep movie. It's easy to understand, follow, but it is just visually gorgeous. And the way they tell like the opening sequence, the way they tell the story, just no words, no subtitles, nothing. Just all through through silence and uh, what you can see is is fantastic. I, I gotta say, you know, I, I know some people are, are kinda I guess the the cool thing right now is to kinda harp on uh or beat down Zack Snyder. But I really like the movie. I, I mean I really dug it. I mean, what are they saying? Because I don't think I've heard. What have well, you heard you know, negative about? Well, it? you know, the style of her substance story sucks. Blah 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 blah. You know, and it's like you know, you don't fucking watch a trailer with schoolgirls with machine guns and katanas fighting giant robots and orcs and going for the story. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think people, a lot of that's backlash against the people that saw it and liked it are coming out saying it had such a positive message. I yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't get that. Ass. Yeah, yeah I didn't get the positive message thing. I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard the whole story, and I don't get what the positive message would be. But I've seen people come out with that that mindset. It had such a positive message, and it was a deep story. And then other people that saw it and hated it are like, really? You, you, know, you thought I, it was positive? You thought there was a deep story there? What are you, you comparing know, it to? I, I have heard them say – people say that it has a, a deep story that you have to really pay attention to follow, and I – I don't agree with that at all. It's it's pretty cut and dried, straightforward. But uh, yeah, it, you I mean, know, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say. I mean, do you go to the Louvre? You go to the Louvre to see something beautiful. You don't go there and then complain about how there's no no story behind it. It's it's art. You know, it's something you go and look at and appreciate on a, on several different levels, and then you walk out and go on with your life. It's not it's not high art. You know, it's awesome. it can't be any worse than the movie my wife dragged me to last night. What's we went out Arthur. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was was horrible. The only positive things about it were all the times the Batmobile was in it. Batmobile (laughs) was in the movie multiple times, as was the Mystery Machine, the uh, the DeLorean, the General Lee. There's all these references to old TV and old movies, but overall, yeah, it was pretty painful. I, uh, you know, I I went and saw what was it? No strings attached. At the second run movie theater last night. Which what which movie is that, Paul? It has Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman okay. as uh, mm-hmm. fuck buddies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, and um, you know, 
I, I, I know this is a comic book podcast, but when did Natalie Portman get so hot? <laughs> Forever, man. Are you yeah. kidding me? I mean, she was Snaggletooth. Snaggletooth I, in Star I Wars episode, episode one. one. You know, did you ever see the movie The Professional? She was like 12. Yes, exactly. And every man <laughs> in the world felt guilty watching that movie. Oh, and, and so Star Wars, the prequels, there's a lot of great actors who look horrible in that movie. It's not just Natalie. I mean, Samuel L. looks like this kind of lumpy guy willing some sort of pillowcase. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a well thought out conversation about a movie, Andrew. It's like you're on a, a movie podcast. So for those of you listeners that don't know, Andrew's on uh, Backseat, Backseat Box Office, um, which is a, a podcast about uh, kind of guessing what's going to be the top five money grocers for the week. So they talk about the new movies coming out and they talk about, you know, just their general opinions on, uh, on, on how they feel a movie is going to do. And uh, so how did, how did that go this week, Andrew? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a competitive podcast and we, we encourage our, our listeners to come and play and we post, we have a big scoreboard where everybody who who competes and submits picks to us each week. We keep their scores there running total for the year. And, And in fact, Tim, you came out for this past week for the first time, scored a big 20 out of 25. Well done, sir. Yeah, I was thinking about retiring. It's <laughs> not, not a bad idea because eventually you're going to be like me and have a, like a 12-point week and then yeah, then all goes downhill. Uh, what was that? Uh, that was Galactus. And that was not Galactus. He was giving his, he was giving his picks for this week. But anyways, yeah, it was so, Tim Lactus. Like Tim Lactus. <laughs> I need some X lax. Anyways, so, so I'm kind of curious, Andrew, what your uh, what your take on your highness is for this week. Uh, so I think it looks great. It's a movie I kind of want to go see. Find time to go see this weekend. Uh, financially at the box office, uh, I'm a little worried about it. I'm a little worried it's going to be like Paul was a few weeks, uh, which I picked high and then did not do well at the box office. Uh, I believe I put it number two. Uh, let me. Oh, okay. So more on that kind of conversation. Listen to Backseat Box Office. <laughs> That's the exact kind of conversation. Oh, my God. Come listen to April Paul's Day over at Ideology of Madness to hear what we're talking about. Um, backseatproducers.com. Apparently, you make fun of me on your show. Just saying. Yeah, the, we make know, fun of was... you on this show, and they make fun of you on that show. <laughs> this, is, this is what they call a, a return a return favor, Paul, where they you know they talk about us, so we'll, we'll talk about them. Can, it's a crossover. Well, <laughs> April Paul's Day is a crossover. Yeah, I mean, since since we talked about our prank, uh, our April Fool's Day joke last week on this show, we of course then talked about how that went on our show. <laughs> and let me tell you, it went great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I still listen to the beginning of last week's show and just giggle. It it, it, it was priceless. It's it's going to go in the uh, greatest hits loop. All of you guys are horrible people. <laughs> and why don't we why don't we loop up the rest of the movie conversation and let you guys go on the new Green Lantern footage that was shown at WonderCon? Well, you know, Aaron just saw it about five minutes ago. <laughs> so I want first impressions, Aaron. You know, I I I want nothing but the best for Green Lantern. I hope that the movie that that comes out this year is going to rock our socks off. But I got to tell you, I'm not impressed by the trailer. I don't like the art direction on it. Um, the uh, I don't like the Green Lantern effects. And I just don't think that uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds makes a good Hal Jordan. 
that's what I felt about every preview we've seen so far. Yeah. I have no hope of this being a good movie, but I'm still going to see it in theater. I hope I'm wrong. Absolutely. I'll see it opening weekend. I mean, you know, I, 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 I am, I am that curious about it and I, I really am. I'm, I am, I am hoping for the best. I am not trying to curse their darkness. I am hoping for a candle, but, uh, I, I wow. I just does not look like a good movie to me at all. I don't know. The new trailer intrigues me. I thought the new trailer was much better than the original trailer. Well, you know, I liked I liked this new trailer better, but as I started to think about why, I realized Hal Jordan isn't in the new trailer that much. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's Abin Sir and Sinestro. Yep, and and you know you're off on Oa, and there's a lot of the new scenes we're seeing don't have Hal Jordan in it. A lot, of, most of the Hal Jordan scenes are ones we've already seen before, so that, that kind of worries me. In the new trailer. How, the the big thing is Hal Jordan, you know, stating the uh, oath for the first time, mm-hmm. and there just doesn't seem to be any power behind that. You know, there there really ought to be, you know, a lot of emotion and strength behind the Green Lantern oath because it means so much to the character, and I, I didn't get that at all. And again, it's hard to judge a movie based on the trailer, but I I, I have yet to see a trailer that jazzes me. And you know, you know, backing up to the initial Thor trailers. I didn't care for the first Thor trailer I saw. It looked it looked crappy to me, but everything since then has looked awesome. Yeah, as well, they got more and more of the CGI into the Thor trailers, they started looking better and better. Yeah. Have you seen some of the Thor merchandise that has come out? They've got these uh, the Thor winged helmet uh, things, but of course they only make them for children's sizes. Because I was hoping to buy one. I know. I was like false. I was at Target this week, and they had it for somebody who's like twelve-year-old sized head. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I admit to standing at the head. Toys R Us aisle holding one of the hammers for like five minutes. Oh God, the hammer is it. awesome! I almost bought one this week. I wish you had. <laughs> I wish I had the leather strap so you actually could swing it, but it doesn't. But you know what, you guys can buy. They have a destroyer cup at a at a Slurpee cup in the shape of the destroyer at Seven oh. Eleven. It's See, not like. It's not as cool as the Iron Man head. Yeah. But, you know, it, or I think it was an Iron Man head. But, now, yeah, see, it's, a, it's a Destroyer. What I am waiting for, and I haven't seen it yet, is the Destroyer action figure. Because I mean, that's really what I want, is I want the Destroyer action figure. And they didn't have that at Target this week. But that 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 uh, Thor hammer, you know, that makes the sounds, you know, makes the, the thunder and lightning sounds, pretty cool. And lights up. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think about how I was going to sneak that by the wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to come in someday and Galactus will be standing there with a giant hammer leaning That's next right. to him. That's right. Uh, sneak it know, by the wife. That's not the move. Thing. You walk in when you're getting ready to have sex holding the hammer high. That's the move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this down. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the move that will have you never get sex again. But it's still a move. I'm, I, I was completely I was completely bummed that the little winged helmet thing wasn't, uh, you know, man-sized. <laughs> I totally would be – I'd be wearing one of those right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Green Lantern – okay, so Paul, you're, you're cautiously optimistic. Andrew, yep. you're uh, – I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm with you guys. I'll go see it first weekend, but I'm, I'm worried. Wayne doesn't think that it ha- that it looks good at all. Timmy, I don't think we heard from you. Uh, I'm only gonna go if people drag me to it. Seriously? Yeah. I'm dragging you. With it. I'm driving up there. Road trip. Hey, Guy Gartner's in it. You 
lie. And so is Damian <laughs> Wade. Damian <laughs> Wade's now that's, that's Catman. <laughs> hey, do you know what Catman wasn't in? Brightest Day. Is he not? Are you sure? Well, who knows? Who reads that shit? <laughs> well, at least on a surface level, not in there. Maybe on some deeper level, he's he's in there somewhere, but not that I picked up. Now well, he's you know, inside of all of us. There was all this <laughs> conversation out there this week on, on the interwebs uh, about the big reveal in Brightest Day. Very Paul sure. posted a, an, an article on it on, on ideologyofmadness.com. I didn't get it. I never read Swamp Thing before, and I didn't get the reveal. So, Paul, please explain. First spoiler! Yeah. Thank you for that, Tim. Well, I, you know, I got to be honest. I don't know what it exactly means because I haven't been reading Brightest Day. Right. But it, it kind of explains why there's a big ass forest. <laughs> why uh, the White Lantern resurrected a big ass forest is that the big reveal um, of Brightest Day is that Swamp Thing is back in the Marvel universe proper, not uh, not in the Vertigo universe. So sure. you know, Brightest Day brought Dead Man back from Vertigo and. Uh, Swamp Thing back from Vertigo into the DC universe proper. I said Marvel, didn't I, earlier? I meant DC. Yeah, you did. But um, I, I think that's a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, if you're a Swamp Thing fan, it's a big deal. And I don't know. I mean, it, it's I don't know if it's a reveal worthy of what they've been building up to with Brightest Day. Because, I, again, I haven't been reading Brightest Day. But I don't know. I think it's a pretty big reveal. Aaron, you disagree? Well, I only because I have never... I mean, I've read maybe two issues of uh, Swamp Thing Vertigo. It's just not my, my kind of book. Um, so if I had been in for 20-plus issues and this was the reveal, I think I'd probably be pretty disappointed. So it just it just shows that I, for myself, I made the right choice not to follow Brightest Day. You know, because I, yeah. I, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is huge. And I'm like, really? I don't get it. But, you know, I'm not a Swamp Thing guy. But you don't like the one with Heather Locklear, <laughs> the Return of Swamp Thing. I can I can honestly say I've never seen it. You've never seen the Return of Swamp Thing two or whatever the fuck it's called. I did not see Swamp Thing two Electric Boogaloo. Ah, Aaron, I it's did. a horrible, horrible movie that you need to watch. You host a comic podcast. I, I I you know there's a lot of awful movies that I have watched. I don't know that it's it's going to change me. It might. It will change you on an emotional level. <laughs> you will be an angrier individual <laughs> for the rest of your life. I still haven't been able to get my all the way through Punisher War Journal. So, uh, <laughs> God, I wonder why. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. And really, I, that's all the terrible superhero movie I can stand. So maybe I shouldn't go see the new Green Lantern movie. And this is all from right. a guy who made it all the way through Cthulhu. But, you know, I made it through Cthulhu because it was an art house film. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a horrible film. I think the real question on everyone's mind, though, are you going to make it through all seven issues of Fear Itself? If it's as good as uh, this first issue, absolutely. Yep. I think we're going to have differing opinions on this book. Well, <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do this. Oh, Boom. down. <clears throat> Boom. This will down. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I fear itself came out this week by Matt Fraction and Stuart Amonin and uh, other peoples. First off, I want to say Stuart Amonin 
rocked the pencils in this book. I thought this book was beautiful. Uh, I, I, I just, I loved every page. Every page w- was just beautiful in this book. Um, <clears throat> I'm not hearing agreement, so I'm guessing there's some disagreement here. Oh, no, no disagreement. I, I'm letting you have your say. I think we should do this uh, round robin. Okay. So I, I'm waiting for the both of you to talk so we can all line up on the opposing sides. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I did absolutely love the, the artwork in the book. I just really dug it. Um, also enjoyed the writing, but I, I, I overall, I really enjoyed the writing. I had some story concerns that really stem from the fact that I'm not reading Matt Fraction's Thor because all of a sudden Odin is back. And I'm guessing that happened over in the pages of Thor because when I left Thor, Odin was still dead. Um, And there's this kind of bizarre relationship going on between Thor and Odin. We've always seen the, you know, son having father issues in that, in that book before, but this seems a little over the top in this book. And uh, I'm a, Thor is speaking a lot differently. He, you know, you don't have the uh, "I say thee nay," uh, Asgardian Shakespearean type of, uh, of diction from from Thor. It's uh, very common sort of modern speak, uh, which seems a little out of place for for the Thor character. But other than that, I really dug this book. I I dug the the reveal on on Sin getting her hammer. Um, I love, you know, anytime we can uh, whoop up on Nazis, also enjoyable. I dug it. I dug it. I, I freaking hate Oiden. Thor is so past the point of having Oiden issues. I'm, I'm, I'm done with Oiden. And I don't, or Oiden, whatever. I just and, want to uh, hear you hear, I just want to hear you pronounce it like that a couple more times. No, Sounds no, like you're from good. Queens. It's Oiden. I'm, I'm using, I'm using, uh, uh, continuity, Wayne. So, uh, <laughs> but, continuity. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, you forgot to throw in Wayne von Grabadger as the, uh, the the person that does the inks, so uh, mm-hmm. I need to throw that out there because that was it. That was a deciding factor. I'm like, I love that guy's name. All right, I'll spend Badger. Bucks. Von Grabadger. He is part um, of the creative team. Yeah, you know, I, I I I guess this was a for me this was a solid B. Um, there's there there is it does seem like there's a lot going on, which leads me to believe that a lot will happen in this book. Um, but Siege turned out really well that you know that first issue too. So yes. I don't know. Yeah, and I think Marvel does an excellent job of of you know first issues. It's the it's the the wrapping it up that they don't do so well. So yeah, I share that concern, Tim. Yeah, I think they set the stage, they set the, the table really well. Just a lot of times, you know, by the time dessert comes around, it's uh, not quite so good. Yeah, that's that's a concern. Well, besides, you know, sharing you and Tim's concern about, it, I thought it was I thought it was a fine, uh, very good episode. Uh, there are a lot of pieces being moved around the board right now. You see a lot of things being prepared. Uh, kind of like the Red Skull, sorry, the daughter of the Red Skull, Sin, turning into this kind of Sin Scotty clone. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole. Uh, I thought the whole riot thing was a little out of place. The the riot was a little strange and a little political. Well, it was just kind of because they didn't really take sides about who's right, who's wrong. It's just right. I, I assume they're going to use that to show the state. They're using it to show the state of heightened fear and tension across the world, and then that's right. going to play into set being more powerful. Right. I think it's a combination of that, and it's supposed to be a character moment for Steve. 
showing him that without the shield and without the costume, he doesn't have the same pull on a crowd that he used to. He can take a brick to the head really well. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think yeah. that's a big part. I think this is going to be the series that leads to him taking back the shield because we know he's taking back the shield. Right. I think that was the setup for that. Well, and of course, I had one of the greatest lines of Odin. You know, he's standing up on the ruins of Asgard looking down and the watcher shows up and he refers to him as a titanic moot. Sorry, titanic mute baby too dumb to be of use. The watcher stares at him. I just love <laughs> I just love watching Odin scream at the watcher like he's a little kid. <laughs> you can get an Odin toy that yells at you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you're a mute baby, <laughs> a big, a titanic mute baby. Wait, he says, you know, you're a titanic mute baby of no use. I don't know that many titanic mute babies that are of use. Oh, there's a lot of very industrious, uh, titanic mute babies, yeah, <laughs> like very productive, you know, uh, they, they turn in their TPS reports on time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I love how Odin just owns Thor. You know, Thor's trying to be the big man, trying to wear his big boy pants, and Odin just uh, puts him in his place. Yeah. Okay, I, Impudent whelp. I, I don't love that. How, how's about that? Well, he's thinking about it. Odin's his dad, and he made his weapon that gives him, you know, well, yeah, well, power. Well, Thor made the choice when he brought everybody back not to bring Odin back. <laughs> and, uh, That's probably a good reason for that, as it turns out. Well, exactly. And, Tim, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying because, you know, we resolved all of Thor's father issues back when Straczynski was writing Thor. And this just seems like we've reset the frickin' character. And, you know, okay. maybe maybe this is, you know, trying to be in keeping with the movie that's coming up. But, you know, we, we've seen where Teen Titans is is resetting to be more consistent with Young Justice. And this looks a whole lot like they're retreading the character to be more consistent with the upcoming film. And, you know, if that's what they're going to do to my characters every time a movie comes out, I think I don't want to read those books. You know, because I, I liked that we finally resolved the daddy issues. I, I don't care to see that in this book. We even yeah, had Odin choosing to stay dad at one point in the exactly. run. Yeah, exactly. He, it, is, it is my son's time now, not my time. You know, I see exactly what you're saying about about this, but uh, you know, anytime you get a new writer, that's a risk you're gonna run that they're gonna reset the personalities, whether there's sure. a movie coming out or not. But that, that, I guess shit writer. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing his own thing, Tim. He's exploring the space. But you know, He's despite that, I still very much enjoyed the book. You know, yeah, and I, I think thought... that I think that the idea that's pitched in the book, Volstag and his Avengers. Oh I, yeah, I think that's got some legs. <laughs> They're tiny legs on top of a big fat man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have tiny. They're short legs. They're not. I mean, girth, they're girthy. They're very girthy. Yeah, this by far was my book of the week, which didn't really have much competition this week. Uh, I thought it was a perfect setup for the for the you know the big event. I mean, there wasn't too much happening. Like I hate it when they ro- roll right into the action. This was all set up for the the overall miniseries. I enjoyed this quite a bit and I'm on for the whole miniseries at this well, point. And I thought that moment, you know, there's that moment in the book where they show the, the guy moving out of Broxton cause he's lost his job. The bank's taken his house, etc., And he warns yeah. his neighbor. He says, you know, lock your doors because you know, if the, if things stay the way they are, you know, your nice neighbors are, are, are going to, you know, not be so nice anymore. And it, it takes that last page where, 
you know, the guy's taking his son into the house, and the last thing you do is you hear the the uh, doorknob lock. You know, I just I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, I love that. The only things I didn't like were the interactions between Thor and Odin. Yeah, yeah. I like seeing the Greek gods or the Norse gods leave, though. That this is going to be a big event dealing with, you know, a Norse evil, and the gods aren't there to back them up on it right now. Well, I like. I, that. I, I hope we do come back to the whole Tony Stark building Asgard because I'm sorry, that sounds cool. I, I just like wonder, the idea of Tony Stark building the new Asgard. I just wonder what's taking him so long. I mean, he got the Avengers Mansion and the tower together in like a day. Well, you what? know, he had to coordinate the photo ops. <laughs> so, Paul, you've been quiet over there. Yeah, I I didn't dislike this book. Let me um. Let me start off by saying I did not dislike this book, but I, I think I had a couple more issues with it than you guys did. And it, it, it all came down to the writing. The art, you know, I'm going to, you know, we, we talked about Stuart Amonin and something Von Grawbadger, whatever. Um, <laughs> something Von Grawbadger. I'm naming my next child that something <laughs> Von Grawbadger head. Who's <laughs> actually not given credit inside the book, just, just so everyone knows. Uh, if you look at the credits on the first page, he's not listed. Oh, they but, tricked um, me. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a... But uh, apparently... the art team, you know, that we loved from the New Avengers, the first uh, first issues of the of that book, of the volume two of that book. So, I mean, the art, beautiful, beautiful art. Now, my problems really come down to the story, and I felt like like the the riot and the the whole locking your door because you know oh we're broke and we're losing our house and people are going to be mean and and you know steal your shit i just felt that was a little heavy-handed a little too melodramatic um i felt like steve rogers getting hit by a hammer i mean by a by a brick it's like seriously a brick well i, I think the blood that... on captain america are you kidding me He's it's a Captain brick. America. He's human. He's It'll Steve draw Rogers. blood. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that Steve Rogers, Captain America, being hit by a brick would draw blood. That just seems. Incredible. Well, he's used to he's used to having that shield up there to block it, and you know you actually see him throw his arm up, but there's no shield there. Oh, poor Steve. He needs his <laughs> little shield. Well, and it, he was giving he was giving commentary on the news at the time. He was distracted. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just felt like the brick thing. I'm like, shouldn't he have been? I don't know. Shouldn't bricks bounce off of Captain America? Just my thinking. No, he's humid. And he does get right back up. Whereas if I had been hit with a brick in the brain, I, I would be laying there for some time <laughs> afterwards. But he, yeah, he pops right back up. It's not like he was knocked unconscious or something. The quarter of the brick hit his head. That's going to draw blood from you know anyone. Except for like the hike. Well, yeah, I, let's test that. Let's throw a brick at Paul's head, <laughs> and then a brick at Andrew's head, and just see if it, if that's actually true. I yeah, think I support I, this. Yes, I, I think that this is this is a test that we need to perform. So oh, super need, soldier I little, serum. I need a little more from you, Paul. I can't accept that the reason you don't like this book is because Steve Rogers took a brick. Yeah, no, Paul. It, <laughs> I'm, I just I gave that as uh, that's just a nitpick. No, okay. my issues with it are the characterizations of of some of the characters, specifically Thor. I felt like Thor was just kind of a whiny bitch in this. Like this is not the Thor that I'm used to seeing. And we've you know we've said that you know it, it, you guys have have noted you know this doesn't seem like you know it seems like we're taking a step back from the Thor 
you know, that he became during Straczynski's run and things like that. Well, but, I don't you know, think that's he, a problem with this book, though, because the whiny Thor, that's what that's why we dropped Thor's title. This is a Thorian continuity right now. It's it's in character, unfortunately, which is why none of us are buying Thor. Yeah, exactly. I'm not buying Thor because Thor sucks and I don't want sucky Thor here, too. You know, he just seemed really kind of whiny to me. And I thought that was annoying. You know, he's like, oh, but I don't want to leave Earth. And Odin's like, you know, and Odin beats him down for it. It's like, you know, come on. That This is Thor, God of Thunder. And, he, and he's, you know, he, he gets his panties all up in a bunch and attacks his dad just because his dad's like, no, we're leaving Earth. The, the characterization really bugged me of Thor. No, I, I get that. It, it bugged me as well. It didn't. It did not diminish my enjoyment of the book. See, for me, it did, and I did like. You know, I, again, I, I like. I prefaced it. I didn't dislike the book. I just, I, you know, the problem is Thor is such a heavy part of this book, and it's written by the guy who writes the Thor book yeah. that we all dropped. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it doesn't give me a lot of faith that this book is going to, you know, in seven issues, blow my mind. What I particularly wanted to see that didn't happen was I wanted to see Thor actually beat Odin to show that he's grown, that he's more – he's stronger than he was before, that he's been leading them for a while before stepping down. Yeah. And even if Odin led everyone else away, leave Thor on Earth with the Avengers because that's where his place is now. Yeah, I just that, – that, that, part, that part did bug me. I still rather enjoyed the book and, I, and I'm interested to see where it's going. So, Paul, are you, are you off? Are you not picking up number two? I, I'm picking up number two. I am picking up number two. You know, I, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm just, you know, I, I hope that some of the issues I had with this first issue are not exacerbated in future issues. You know, and I really hope this is the last issue that has uh, Brian Michael Bendis' creepy smile. Oh, man. Okay, so the <laughs> the, the center uh, fold-out in, uh, in the book, the Marvel Architects. With a special feature on Brian Michael Bendis. Now, before I before I go off here, um, let me just say that um, I like most of these writers. You know, you've got a, you've got images here of Ed Brubaker, Jason Aaron, Brian Michael Bendis, Jonathan Hickman, and Matt Fraction, and I'm big fans of all but one of these guys. Um, this is exactly what I think is wrong with the Marvel Architects program. Look at these guys. <laughs> Do they just not look like a bunch of folks you don't want to know? <laughs> I mean, that the, the the smarmy look that Bendis has given you. Bendis, who, for whom I've got a tremendous amount of respect, looks like an idiot on this page. He's got this look that says, yeah, you're going to suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, just... Again, I look at this and I marvel at the fact of the guys who aren't there, like Dan Slott, you know, writing the quintessential Marvel character, writing, you know, turning out what 104 issues a year of of Amazing Spider-Man, not featured here. Yeah, I still stand by this whole architecture thing is one big f you to anyone that didn't make their list. I mean, I it's ridiculous to single these guys out and say that. They are the architects when there's so many other great talented writers at Marvel that are putting out great work and just slight, being slighted by this. Well, and I don't disagree that these are the guys that you know Marvel has placed a whole bunch of bank on in, in terms of them you know, doing big and important things in the Marvel Universe. 
I just think that they've left out Dan Slott. But, you know, you look at this and, you know, people want to know why more girls aren't reading comics. Well, there's not a chick in this group. There's not also – I'm sorry, Tim? I was going to say there's also not a dude that owns a pastel shirt in that, that group <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Screw pastel. I just want a primary color. And uh, you know, in fairness, I don't own a pastel shirt either. Oh, <laughs> Do you have something besides black in your closet, though? Yeah, he's got red. I there seem to recall you I wearing do, a, a baby blue shirt. You've got some color in your closet. There's color. It's not pastel blue, though. That's okay. fine. Um, but you know, there's no diversity in this group. These are all just a bunch of white dudes. Wait, I'm looking around the room. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I'm Puerto Rican. I am Puerto Rican. I'm the I... black man you've ever met. <laughs> hey, I'm looking around the room, and all I see is a cat trying to get at the uh, the volume on my mixer. Well. <laughs> DJ Von <laughs> Cat Von Kate. <laughs> but you know, if, if if you're you know setting up your whole little Marvel Architects thing, first off, I don't think you do the little class picture here. And I don't think that you, that you take up the center spread in the biggest fucking book you've got on the shelves this year. Um, I, I, this just I, – I don't think they're branding this whole Marvel Architects thing right. And maybe it's because I haven't bought into the whole concept of the Marvel Architects. Are you saying this is marketing fellatio, Aaron? It really is. Okay. It really hey, is. Look, these writers are our best writers. And it's like, no, they're, they're really not, to be honest with you. Well, I, you know, I love Jonathan Hickman. And I love Brian Michael Bendis. I loves me some Ed Brubaker. Um, I mean, these guys all are extraordinarily talented writers. These guys have literally changed the face of Marvel Comics over the last 10 years. I yeah, mean, there's... Fractions there. <laughs> <laughs> he does seem kind of added on there on the side, doesn't he? But I have... But Brubaker and I dropped... Like, two of these guys, I have dropped a title specifically because they were writing it. You know, Cap and Thor, I have dropped because of Brew Baker and Fraction. And I love Brew Baker. And I love Incognito, but yeah. his Cap stuff has just yeah. been crap. Well, you know, I'm with you. He's been hit or miss for me. The stuff he does well is just hands above everything else. Incredible. The Cap stuff he was doing for a while was just amazing. But there's been other things like the Cap stuff he was doing right before I dropped the book. And, uh, the return of Captain America that have just been the worst stuff I'd been reading. I, th I think here's the thing though, regardless of what, if you like or don't like these characters, I think the question is what's the benefit of singling them out? Exactly. I mean, if you, if you want these books to be read by more people, market them more than the other ones, but yeah. be a little bit more sly about it than being like, these guys are the best and the rest of them are a bunch of jokes that we're not going to publish much longer. Well, yeah. I mean, so the, the architects thing—they're trying to to give these guys celebrity status, so that that'll expand, it kind of kind of expand through more books for the casual reader. And I don't think they're saying they're the best writers they have. I think they're saying uh, the ones they're, they're saying, the ones who are involved in the the groundbreaking events. What they're, they're saying is that the Marvel Architects Initiative spotlights the writers and artists telling the the most exciting and impactful stories that rock the Marvel universe to its very core every month. How can you exclude Dan Slott from this? Oh, I don't think you can. And and I think anytime you draw a line... Apparently you can. They did. 
you create two classes. I mean, I mean that's what they've done. They've created an artificial two two sets of of riders. They have yep. their architects, and then everybody else is below them. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and I don't know why they would do that. I don't, it, it, yeah, it bogs my mind. It makes no sense to me. I, I'm sure it makes sense to somebody, but it makes no sense to me. The only th- this isn't something that you use to bring in new readers because new readers don't give a damn, right? So yep. it's it's marketed to us. The guys who who know who the writers are and are reading comics every week, and I don't see where anybody that I know is going. Oh yes, it's a new Marvel Architects comic. Oh Jesus, I gotta get it. I gotta get two. I gotta polybag one. Well, that's because it's early. It's early in the cycle. You know, <laughs> let this brew for a couple months. It'll get there. Okay. But, but you know, you guys were talking about how they looked. They look like a group of comic book writers. I mean, what do you what do you expect them to look like? There's well, a lot of black there, but they look like comic book writers. The uh, the full body shot, you know, of them all standing together. I mean, I think you would have had a, had a better you know image if you had done just headshots of these guys. But this whole you know we're the we're the five Marvel architects. You know, we're gonna write hard. Um, <laughs> just looks ridiculous. I am going to wipe the shit out of that comic. <laughs> I just imagine the cameraman being, okay, look nonchalant. And this well, is you their attempt. Oh, at you know, oh, I, I, here's the direction I, I, I see. Okay, Bendis, Bendis, look at me. Okay, now do that little smarmy smirk and squint that one eye and, and Brubaker, crush your legs like a girl at the ankle. Yes, do that. And, um, Jason Aaron, okay, more beardy. Okay. And, uh, Fraction, what are you doing in this picture? <laughs> That's how I think the direction went. I don't know. I think you're giving them too much credit. I think there was, they were standing around like, all right, stand next to each other. Put your hands in your pockets. Everybody wears black on top, blue jeans on the bottom. Let's go. Let's do oh, this thing. I, I guarantee they did not coordinate wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they did. I think they probably said, you know, it's like my family pictures. Everybody wears this color top. Everybody wears jeans. And we take the family picture. No, I think this, I think this is what they slept in. Because <laughs> when you look at our pictures from our vacation last year, everyone in our family is wearing a a periwinkle shirt and khakis, and that's our family picture. Well, that's because that's your family uniform. Yeah, I think this is just the architect <laughs> uniform. You become an architect, you immediately have to start dressing in black t-shirts and jeans. It's a given. But there's one thing beyond the 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 visual look of it. The one thing I found interesting is where they have this little question answer Brian Michael Bentis on the on the left page. And he talks about how the Avengers are going to have a a big shakeup in their their lineup after twelve, I believe. Yes. Anyone else interested in? I mean, because they just what was it six months ago? Divide everybody out into Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers. I mean, anyone interested? Is this exciting when they're getting a new lineup? Well, you know, it just seems like they got their lineup. Yeah, I mean, you know? isn't the lineup always changing? I mean, the yeah. Red Hulk just joined. Yeah. So. You know, the Red Hulk. Yeah, Red Hulk is part of the Avengers now. I thought he was on Planet Red Hulk. Well, I he don't can, know. You know, he probably is. That's the same thing. <laughs> he he the, is on Planet Red Hulk, but you know, subsequent to that, you had some continuity issues. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the back of this book, there's like a three, four page sneak preview of Planet Red Hulk. I wouldn't know. I read the preview. <laughs> I didn't. It's very pretty. But not pretty enough to make me go buy an issue of Red Hulk. Yeah. I think I'm out of the Hulk universe for now. Now, Hulk is supposed to be brought back into the Marvel universe, like, 
you know, Greg Pak is wrapping up his his run on the Hulk, and uh, I'm, so I'm he can to... focus himself solely on the Silver Surfer, <laughs> or on um, so he can focus on not being an architect. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, oh, man. First, Ooh. first the architects, and then Avengers, and then Red Hulk. It's like I'm watching the Surgery Channel. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the Silver Surfer, and and this week the Silver Surfer was in the pages of Annihilators number two. Wow, he sounds like a monster truck announcer. Annihilators number two. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Annihilators. No, I think I'm the only one who. I think I'm the only one who read this one. Yeah, only because I forgot. I really was intending to buy it. Yeah, only because I decided that Annihilator sucked so hard I wasn't going to spend my four ninety nine on a whole bunch of crap. That was why. Otherwise, well, I'd have, I totally picked it up. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start the end to go forward. I'm gonna start with the Rocket Raccoon Groot backup feature. Uh huh. I'm still really enjoying it. You get to meet the Undergrowth Resistance. Uh, you head out to Half World. Aaron would still hate it. So uh-huh, uh-huh. good thing you didn't pick it up. Uh, the main feature, kind of like I talked about after number one, it's very centered around the whole Space Knights uh, dire wraith battle and. I don't know anything about Space Knights. I didn't read Space Knights when I was a little kid. So, you know, there's this queen who I guess used to, you know, is an Earthling who fell in love with the leader of the Space Knights. And there's this big reveal that means nothing to me because I don't have, I don't know anything about these people, their backstory. So I don't know why I should be shocked. I mean, obviously. What's the big reveal? All right. Okay. Well, spoilers on. You find out that the, uh, the queen, the matriarch, uh, who has been running, the Space Knights since since her husband disappeared. Okay. Uh, Are they mentioning the husband by name? Was it Rom? You know, they don't mention by name, but I assume it's Rom. Okay. Uh, you find out that she's manipulated. She's been working with Dr. Dredd no. to arrange Yes. To arrange the unveiling of the black of the black sun. Because she felt like <laughs> She'd felt like the uh, Space Knight Society had become, you know, indolent, corrupt. Uh, you know, they'd lost their edge. They weren't, they weren't the Spartans they used to be, to put it one way, I guess. Uh, and she thought that by bringing the dire race back, that they had to have their enemy to define who they were. They had someone to struggle against. Without that struggle, they all became soft. So she had arranged with with Doctor Dread to help uh, uh, bring this back. So if the Queen's working with Dr. Dre, does that mean the Space Knights are all, which side? <laughs> yes, and, and, and the Dryer Raves are, are East Coast. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. They're all yeah. followers. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Turf War. That's all Annihilators is. Well, so, at the very end, you see the Dire Wraith Queen show up, and you know I can kind of see the Biggie Smalls uh, resemblance, actually. So it is, is one of the big reveals that you know Tupac is a Space Knight? <laughs> no, that's Icon. Icon is Tupac. Okay. Does the Queen have an Oakland booty? <laughs> <She's> <laughs> down a face and Oakland booty. Maybe I don't know. But the good part. So here's the high. There's a lot of fighty at the beginning of this. Uh, I think what Tim is saying is that she's little in the middle, but she's got much back. I think that's what Tim's saying. I think so. Uh, the best part of this book for me uh, was was you know Ronan is facing off Doctor Dread and. Everybody else is like, ah, we got to get back up in there. You know, Ronan's facing off Dr. Dredd by himself. Look what Dr. Dredd did to the Silver Surfer last issue. You know, Snoop Dogg. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, the gladiator and Silver Surfer go rush over there to help out. And, you know, Icon was kind of digging on Ronan last issue, too, about how he's only alpha level. And so Dredd's talking, talking so smack about how he's going to cut Ronan up and suddenly realizes he can't. And Ronan's explanation for this is, you know, the universal weapon of a Kree accuser is a sophisticated and powerful. It's bonded my will and can affect matter transmutation in rearrangement. You can cut no more. And then there's a big, nice three-quarters page of him just laying into the back of Dredd's skull with the hammer. Nice. And, and, and then he goes, oh, it's also a giant hammer. <laughs> you know, blood spraying out of Dredd's mouth. He's headed to the ground. He's out. It's just, oh, oh, I love that. Oh, it's also a giant hammer. So, uh, it not worth five. pretty cool, but boy, I sure hated issue one. <laughs> not worth five dollars. You, you know, I, I really enjoy the backup feature. You would not still, because it's, yeah. it's a lot of what you got last time. So, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to pick up three or not. It's a lot of money to spend on, on a mediocre book. Spend on a bad book. Yeah. Mediocre book. An awful, <laughs> awful book. Well, it's, you a, it's spend... okay. It's not that bad. <laughs> well, you could spend three ninety nine on another mediocre book, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number thirty eight. Holy shit! I hated this book. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you're giving too. that book a lot of credit. Mediocre. Oh God, I hated this book. You know what's I... funny? Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You know, I I didn't have this on my pull list, but my comic guy put it in there anyway. Fucking comic guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was like, you know what? That's fine. You know, he's like, well, you, I, I know you like two, and it's written by John Lehman, who writes two. And, you know, it's Amazing Spider-Man, which you collect. So I figured, you know, you could go for it. He put this in, in, in Infestation number two, but I, I put Infestation number two back up on the shelf. I couldn't, I could not buy that piece of shit. So instead, I just bought this piece of shit. Um, <laughs> you manage I, your shit, Paul. <laughs> I'm worried about this abusive relationship between you and your comic guy you're in. Good guy. Uh, you know, it's good fodder for the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I haven't left him yet. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever reason you tell yourself, whatever excuse you have to have, it's not good enough. He loves me. Paul, Paul suffering for the best of this show is a, is a staple of funny books. I knew I was going to hate this book from the first page. I wish that I had opened it up when I was at the comic shop. Because I looked at page one and I was like, when I sat down to read this last night, I was like, oh, this is this is uh, this is going to be really really bad. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of like the costume they have in it. Of course you did, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> it was the only thing I liked about the entire book, but Ugh. it was an interesting costume for an alternate costume. You know, the the only thing that I, I there was a kernel of an interesting idea here, and I, and I liked kind of you know. Peter Parker getting to encounter an evil Uncle Ben. I thought that was kind of kind of a neat idea, but it did not carry the book. And wow, it was bad. The uh, I just wasn't interested in any of the things going on here, other than that that brief moment where Uncle Ben turns out to to be not a nice guy. Yeah, I, I do have to point out one thing. On the page where Spider-Man's looking at the all the trophies on the wall, there's like a Nihilus' helmet and yep. uh, Electra's mask. Mysterio's fishbowl helmet has fish in it. That was amusing. That's Okay, so there were two things I enjoyed about this book. 
the <laughs> alternate costume and the fish and everything else was utter crap. Yeah. Yeah, this book was just awful. So, you know, and it's a three-part series. So you're know. in for number two and three, right? Uh, you know it. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. No. God, you know, here's what wrong. here's what I I was so not interested in the book by the time I got to the last page, I was willing to accept that it was over. <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, I guess it's done. And uh, I was like, oh, it's continued. This isn't wrapped up. I mean, that's how disengaged I was from it with how bad this story was. He's stuck in the alternate universe. All right. All right. All right. Good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so bad. Yeah, I, I did not care for this book in the slightest. Andrew, did but, you read this? No, you did not, did you? Uh, no, I did not. All right. But you know what Andrew did read with his hard-earned three ninety nine Dungeons and Dragons number five. And I would oh. like to point out all of the mischief that was going on this week about telling me Catman was Cat- so good in this book. <laughs> Catman is not in Dungeons and Dragons. How do you know? <laughs> I ask <Right>. people. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you read, you don't know. They're probably screwing with you telling you Catman's not in it. They're keeping on the Catman themselves. Mischief. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Mischief. So Dungeons and Dragons number five continues to be good. I I will be so sad when John Rogers leaves this series because he is such a good writer. Well, let's just hope he doesn't leave the series. Oh, you know they they all leave some. They always leave you, Paul. They always leave me. The art continues to just rock. Uh, Bree continues to be hysterical. I love the scene when the dwarf is trying to choke a carrion crawler with a war hammer. Oh. <laughs> What'd you guys think? I I loved it. Uh, there's there's so many parts. It's, it's like I, I liked how the elf tricked the uh, dwarven flaming skull. <laughs> it's like impossible. We dwarves build it to last the ages. Then how would the dwarves destroy it? Are you saying dwarves aren't smart enough to destroy it? Oh well, the furnaces will do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. I, 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 again, we we've been we've been saying it. it the, the writing in this book is awesome. The art is solid. Um, as 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 long as his creative team's on here, I'm going to be on board. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's you know top of the read pile every month. It, it's a it, it's a laugh out loud book, which is funny for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you wouldn't expect that, but just a fantastic book all around. Whether you're into Dungeons and Dragons or not, you know, it, it's got a Stargate in it. <laughs> it does have a goddamn. Stargate. It does have a fucking Stargate. Um. Hey, are you but, kidding me? Because there's a Stargate and fucking Amazing Spider-Man too. Yes, in the end there is. God. There's a Stargate in everything. <laughs> God damn it, Jake. <laughs> I used to be so blissfully unaware. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, there used to be a time when we could draw different ways of teleporting through dimensions, but no, it's got to be through a Stargate. <laughs> what I just gotta say. Anyone who likes the TV show Leverage will will really like this book, even if they have no nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. If you like Leverage, you'll really enjoy this. Is comic it a book. caper book? Is that why you're it saying that? It is. is. Yeah. It's a caper book. You've got five people with specialties outside the law, looting things and busting up bad guys and busting each other's chops. It's kind of like if we were D and D a D and D group. <laughs> it's very funny. I'm gonna just go ahead and say I'm Bree. I'm gonna say call I, it now. I was gonna give you Bree. I appreciate <laughs> it. Wayne's obviously the dwarf. 
<laughs> I don't read the book, so I don't know if I should be offended or not. Uh, so let's so- just go with, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just cover your bases. That's right. Oh, and by the way, book of the week for this week. I know that's not a high ledge to climb, but it would <laughs> out of the two that you read. But oh, no, you read three. three. But regardless, it would have been. I think. Next yeah. Week agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I cannot wait for number six to come out, and this will be something I actually pick up in trade, assuming that they release them in trade later on. Well, that you guys have spoken so uh, so fondly of it. I may pick it up in trade. Oh, that's good, Aaron. You're gonna pick it up in trade, Aaron. You are gonna fucking buy this book you in know, trade. I am not getting it now. You know, I you know you're you're not the boss of me. <laughs> you're gonna fucking buy this book and you're gonna love it. Make gonna me when, come uh, on, bring it, Paul. Let's do this. I will. Oh yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It's been brought. Yeah, I like to point it. out when I fly into town, you fly out of town. You're afraid of me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Something like that, or avoiding. <laughs> 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 Maybe it's a little of that. Yeah. We're, we're gonna have a donate button to for people to send in donations so that way they can buy D and D for you, Aaron. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Andrew and I read Kara's Magic this week. Uh, Kara's Magic number one from Aspen Comics. We both read issue zero, and we felt there was an interesting story there, but there not enough happened in issue zero to really, you know, tell us one way or the other if this was going to be a good series. So issue one came out this week. Gorgeous cover, by the way. And, you know, it's, it's an Aspen book, so you kind of expect that. What would you think of the book, Andrew? Book of the Week. Really? Fantastic. Yeah, you know, the Zero Issue did this book no favors. The Zero Issue, it was almost like... Dragons, (laughs) actually. You know, reading the Zero Issue for Chris Magic is almost like sitting down and reading, you know, the history of Belgium. Uh, This was, was so much better. You meet Hank the Magnificent, who's a stage magician, who apparently gets paid a ton of money to teleport from the stage to the back of the theater once a night. <laughs> yes, he has a very short stage show, apparently. <laughs> and, and you know he's got six fine women. He's got some women troubles. He's got this this estranged mentor that's that's busting his chops who shows up from out of town. He's got this cat uh, who doesn't really come into play. You find out as the plot unfolds that Samson, the ancient evil who's been imprisoned inside the multiverse, is about to escape and destroy everything as he does. And then, you know, the big part, the part that made this book so great to me is the very, what, the last two pages? So, well, I don't want to spoil the book. Oh, you know, why not? Yeah, so I'm just saying the last two pages are amazing. It's a really well done book. You know, it, it's it's two ninety nine. Uh, you know, I, I, I it, won't say it was my book of the week, but it was a damn good book. And hold the, on, hold on, hold on. I need to I need to establish criteria here. Are you saying you won't spoil good books, but the bad books you'll spoil? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's important to know your thresholds. Okay. (laughs) My safe words. That's right. Because I think people should go out and pick up Chris Magic number one. Uh, And actually, you know, I said the last two pages. That's not quite right. It's about the last third of the book. Um, It goes on for a little while after the big big switch. So um, it's beautiful, as Paul said. And maybe I'm putting this above Dungeons & Dragons just because it's new. And and that last third of the book just kind of kicked me right in the nuts. So... And I'm going to disagree with you there, uh, Andrew, because I brought up uh, the history of Belgium and Wikipedia, and it's pretty interesting. 
Well, you know, in 1433, <laughs> most of the Belgian and Luxembourg territories and all of the rest of the Low Countries became part of Burgundy under Philip the Good. <laughs> My hat is off to you, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I think at, uh, at this rate, I've enjoyed the two non-Marvel DC books. We didn't even talk about a DC book this week. The two, Mar- you know, I've enjoyed uh, the IDW and the Aspen book more than I enjoyed either of the Marvel books I read this week. But we all read Boom Studios Stanley Presents The Traveler, issue one through five, as promised, as forced upon me to fucking read. What did you guys think of this god awful piece of shit? I think it proved Wayne wrong. I think it broke one of Wayne's rules. The Mark Wade rule? Yep. Honestly, I thought it had... Uh, I didn't like the dialogue, but it wasn't painful to read. Oh. Oh, it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> I mean, the main character is a jackass, but I kind of enjoyed how the type of jackass he was. I didn't read issue five. I only read one through four, so... Well, and I think that was the right that. decision. I think that was the right decision because I think one through four are much better than issue five. And I can definitely see the uh, the character is going to change a lot in five since it's a, you know, a different time frame of the same character. Yeah, it's 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 the younger character. And I was I was disappointed because I love Soldier Zero. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And then we've read Starborn and Traveler and neither of them have lived up uh, to how much I really enjoyed Soldier Zero. I was really hoping that the Traveler was was going to be a, a good, strong book, something that that I was going to enjoy and have as an ongoing title to read. And wow, I sure didn't enjoy it a lot. I, now, I, 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 again, I think there is a marked difference between issues one through four and issue five. Um, I think issues one through four play the story out a little long. I think this really should have been a three issue story arc as opposed to a four issue story arc because it's setting up stuff that really could have been set up a whole lot faster. So how would your opinion be different in the title if you hadn't read issue five, if it was just the first four? Um, I think that I, I I would have been able to say that I enjoyed it more. I, I did not enjoy issue five at all. Issue five, I felt like had a lot of problems. I wasn't interested in what was going on. There's a big character death in issue five. And I'm just like, I don't care. You know, I, I just I wasn't engaged on the characters. Yeah, uh, that character death was so lame. Yeah. And I, I, I just I didn't I didn't enjoy it. But, I, you know, I. I, I got drawn into the mystery of which guy is the traveler, you know, because there's that, that, that question that's kind of running through, you know, which guy is this um, in issues one through four. The artwork, I think, of the uh, of the three titles that we've read so far is the strongest. You know, it really had that uh, that that nice, you know, traditional comic um, book style to it. I, 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 I really didn't have much of a complaint about the artwork at all, but I did have a complaint about the villains. You know, the, the, uh, guys who, the, the little time agents that were coming in after the traveler, they just were too cookie cutter. I just, you couldn't get engaged with those guys. You know, I think had with, with slight rewrites issue one through four could have been a self-contained miniseries. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and you know, we haven't really spoken much about the story, but the the general story is there's a guy who travels through time, and basically he he's, he he you can tell he is setting up 
for a certain situation to happen the way it needs to happen in order for, you know, the the future to be set or whatever. Um, And, you know, there are other people in time who are trying to prevent that from happening. Yeah, it's Terminator-ish. Right. And there's, you know, he's got these these little visions of, like, you know, what the future is going to hold and, you know, like three alternatives and which one is it going to be. I thought I okay. Let me let me say when I was reading the first issue, the last page of the first issue had me going, "Holy shit!" You know, I mean the 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 ending made it look like that uh, the woman he's been trying to protect through the entire issue. Then you know, and he he's manipulating time to ensure that happens. He gets surprised by a variance in the time stream, and she's killed right there on the page. And I mean, it's graphic. No doubt about it, she's dead. And I mean, I, I thought that was a great page, and I was like, "Wow, what a ballsy move!" You know, what a, what a nice way to start your series. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. This book is going to surprise you. And then first page of page two, oh, it didn't really happen. And that's yeah. when the bloom fell off the rose for me on this because I was like, "Oh, this is going to be just like everything else Stanley writes. You know, it, it, this is going to be extraordinarily predictable." You know, I know he's not writing it. Mark Wade is, but you know, it's it's going to be just like any other you know Stanley branded product these days. There's not going to be a lot of innovation to it. It's going to be the same kind of storytelling that you always get. Because I was jazzed at, on the last page of issue one. I agree that their undoing of that and the I just see possible futures. It was such a cop out because yeah. that was a really cool ending to that issue. Yeah, it really yep. was. And then, I mean, you know, literally, first page, there she is, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, well, okay, this isn't going to be nearly as cool. And sure enough, you know, it starts to unravel going through issue two, and the book becomes less and less cool as it, mo- as it moves on. So I would say a strong first issue, weak wrap-up to the, to the arc, and a really strongly disliked issue five. So are you going to force me to read another fucking Book is is there another fucking Stanley book? I don't think there is. is there no. another fucking. This covers Stanley all book? the Stanley ones. Yeah. Seriously. Um. Yeah. Well, can I? Can I? Because I've been kind of. Yeah. Tim's been awfully quiet. Um. I I read all these guys and I was I, and I felt like if I I kind of echo Aaron's statements about the first issue being nice and everybody I think everybody's basically said issue five was awful and I got I I, I kind of felt that way too but. I, I mean, to me, this isn't a book I would normally pick up, just because I don't like time travel as a as a device. I think it it, it can be both complex and lazy at the same time, and most of the time it gets overblown about having to explain how they're doing something ridiculous. And I feel that I feel that it's it's a significant difference from some of the other ridiculous things that superheroes do in the fact that it gets. There's, there's way more science involved in the, them trying to explain it necessarily. Like, you don't usually see Iron Man giving a, a soliloquy about how his rockets work or whatever. But in time... Uh, repulsor technology. One sentence. There you go. <laughs> Whereas he's like, I have control of gravitrons and change the time field to speed it up. Blah, 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 blah. It's gold-based technology. Gold-based technology powers Go! No, but I agree with what Tim's saying. He talks an awful lot. Yes. Yeah, he does. He's talking to the reader, and it's just 
can, can we can we get a little bit of more of a behind the scenes? He's not really talking to, you know, this 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 uh, this woman they saved. Oh, here's how everything works. She doesn't care. She just wants to make sure that guy in the red doesn't kill her. That's yeah, it. that's a storytelling technique that I did not care for in this. That instead of using not thought balloons, but the thought boxes, like yeah. most narration, you know, comics do. Mm-hmm. He 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 says everything out loud, or at least we're given the impression he's saying everything out loud. Like, oh, if I hit him just right, it's like, you know, it's not 1965. Comics aren't written that way anymore. Yeah, I I, I didn't care for it, and I hate to say that. I mean, I was really hoping that that Traveler was going to be the one. Well, apparently, third time is not the charm. It is not yep. anything like the charm. <laughs> <laughs> I push again for next week talking about zombies. I'm, we I'm, can have a zombie spectacular next week because uh, I know Tim would love that. Exactly. <laughs> Only opposite. <laughs> you guys can have your Walking Dead zombie <laughs> fetish show. Why don't you just save that for Halloween like you did last year and I'll be like, sweet. But you'll sleep in on Saturday morning? Is that what absolutely. you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what you have to look forward to this Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I think we all kind of liked Fear itself, with the exception of Paul. I liked it. I just didn't. I just had some big issues. With okay, it. and then Annihilators was a failure. Amazing yep. Spider-Man, a failure. Dungeons and Dragons was a win. Yes. Big win. Kara's Magic a win. Yes. Traveler yep. a failure. Wow. It's a kind of a rough week. Yeah. That was a suck-ass week for comics. Next week is looking much better, though. There was no DC books this week at all. Yeah, no DC this week at all. What is up with that? Uh, You know, it's like everyone was afraid. Because, I mean, let's be honest. You know, we picked up like two or three books each, except for Wayne, who picked up seven books. Right. But, you know, that's And they were all crap. It's like everyone was afraid to release a book against Fear Itself. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, and yeah. some of the books I picked up weren't from this week. They were just – my shop is a small shop that misses things. So on a week like this where there's no books out, I go to other shops and try to get what I miss. Well, you know, I, it saddens me that it was such a, a poor, poor week. But uh, maybe next week, you know, as we as we you know travel through the dark times, maybe that will help us appreciate the wonderment that is next week. You know, this week the comics were so depressing, but next week Little Depressed Boy number three comes out. I've already read this book because we uh, we had the preview copy from Image, and I I highly recommend this to you guys and to anyone else listening. Little Depressed Boy is really good and it's different. Uh, and the big release next week, Battle Chasers Anthology. <laughs> For uh, did any of you guys read Battle Chasers the first time around? What are you talking about, Paul? I have no idea what you're talking about. You've never heard of Battle Chasers? I've heard of Battle Toads. My God. I've heard of Battle Cows. <laughs> Battle, just Google it. Battle Chasers. <laughs> the best podcast ever. Just Google it. <laughs> that is exactly the type of advice and commentary our listeners are looking for, Paul. Just Google it. People are in their car driving and Paul's like, just Google it. And they're grabbing their phones, typing things in. You just killed hundreds of people, Paul. Hundreds, if not thousands of people. <laughs> I'm like the anti-Oprah. 
<laughs> in, in many ways. Just Google that shit right now. Now, you know, one book that I've been reading uh, uh, the last week or so is Fred Van Lente's Comic Book Comics. Have you guys ever seen that or read it? I have not. Nope. Oh, my God. I know of it, but I haven't read it. It is a history of, of comics in America, and it's told in a graphic format. And I'm on. I just finished issue two last night, and it's a long read. It's a very dense comic. You know, lots of stuff happening on the page. It is fantastic. Uh, the first issue kind of talks about you know the birth of sequential art, and you know up, gets you up to like the Depression era. And then the second issue is uh, talks about World War II and the effect of that on comics. It's a currently a five issue series. I think there, it's going to be it's going to wrap up with six. And because it's creator-owned and Fred Van Lente and, and his artist are churning these out as a side project, I don't think they're expecting the sixth issue to hit till next year. But, wow, it's fantastic. It, it, I mean, it's just incredibly researched. It is footnoted like a research paper. It talks about you know, where, the, where the sources are from and whatnot. Uh, it's just amazing. And you know, it's hysterical because he talks a lot about Walt Disney you know, and, and his effect on the comic book media they're describing walt disney by all these people who've worked with him and you know uh him trying to uh, break the unions and whatnot and you know generally a a a, a rather hard-ass kind of guy to work with and i remember in high school doing a uh, book report on the biography of walt disney and none of that stuff was in it <laughs> it's all about what a great guy walt disney is i think it may have been produced by the walt disney you know corporation but uh Anyway, I, I, I'm this this thing is fantastic. Like I said, I'm on issue two right now, and uh, three more issues to go that are already in print. It's fantastic. Big thumbs so, up to comic books. So speaking of footnotes, if we could read the footnotes of this issue, it would be Paul failed, Wayne failed, employee number four failed, Andrew failed twice, and Aaron failed. All noted within the context of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our cue, boys. <laughs> Out! Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.